You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. While you were skipping stones, building forts, and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me, growing up Broadway. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Tumelli, and welcome back to the Little Me podcast. I'm so excited about my guest today, so let's get to it. As a child, she appeared on Sesame Street and made her Broadway debut in the 1996 Broadway revival of The King and I. Her other Broadway credits include Spring Awakening and Waitress. Her film and TV credits include the film version of the musical Hello Again, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, One Night in San Diego, Yellow Fever, and as Tina Cohen-Chang on Fox's smash hit Glee. Please welcome Jenna Oshkowitz. Hi, Jenna. Hello. Wait, so you Googled something that is has haunted me for my whole life, but that I was never it. Sweet Wait, Lake of Zach and Cody. You were never, it says you're no. a violin player. I know. It's on my Wikipedia. It's on my IMDb. I don't know where that came from. Okay. But well, we're leaving it it's in. My favorite. It, we have to. It's, it's too good of a story. going to haunt me forever. How do you think that happened? I don't <laughs> I have no idea. I have a little bit of really like, don't. is she going to be weird about me bringing up Sweet Life of Zach and Cody if she was like an extra? But um, the violin I'm player, obviously. I'm going to, it's like kind of wildly racist and I it's okay. I was used to being the token as a child. It's fine. I think we're off to a really good start. So Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to chat with you. And I did uh, like a, a Jenna deep dive last night and we have lots of connections that are going to be very I funny. I bet we do. I bet we do. We're out. So let's go back to the beginning. You were born in Seoul, South Korea. Is that correct? That's correct. Almost everything else on that is correct. I was born in Seoul. I was adopted at three months and I was brought to JFK to be picked up by my parents, Brad and Judy, um, at three months old. And I grew up on Long Island, which is about an hour out of the city. Um, and from a very young age, I was a total ham. And I would go up to people at restaurants and say hello and like love to put on shows with like pots and pans and my diapers. And, um, you know, I was just always like a tiny little performer just out the womb and straight over the sea to America. To Broadway. Um, <laughs> to Broadway. <laughs> I'm obsessed that you're from East. Did you say East Meadow? East Meadow, yeah. No, I'm, I grew up in Westbury. I went to Clark High School in Westbury. Oh, so my we're gosh. Like, we're neighbors. We are neighbors. And then wow. you went to Holy Trinity, which, which was like a performing high, school high school I wanted to go to. And my parents <laughs> were like, we're poor. You're not going there. Um, yeah. My brother had gone there first. So um, I was like, you better let me go there. So um, you're this, this adorable kid going up to people at restaurants and your parents are like, we got to get her into show business. Do they know anything about the world of... The show? Did it. There was a manager on Long Island that I started with, uh, and he kind of got me into print and commercial and then Sesame Street. Um, and then we we moved on to obviously Broadway, but it was really not that was not the plan. Like that wasn't like the trajectory. They just wanted to like get me to have some like a good, you know comfortable bank account for college one day. Well, that uh, worked out. Yeah, it did, actually. I'm very grateful. Uh, and I did a ton of commercials. And then we kind of made our way into the Broadway world where um, I booked The King and I uh, on an agent's call. And I mean, it was just like life-changing for me. 
in a way that I saw a community in a different way. Uh, I was surrounded by more Asians than I had ever been surrounded by in my entire life because on Long Island, you know, it's a pretty white. So <laughs> um, it was it was a new world for me. And I just I absolutely fell in love with Broadway. I was the first one in the theater. I was the last one out at night. So The King and I was this huge Broadway revival with Neil Simon, right? In 1996. Uh, yeah, right. Yes. And starring Donna Murphy. And I watched you last night at the Macy's Parade. Oh um, first of all, it's it's like torture. Like, we're, these children are freezing. What do you that remember was the about coldest that? Part? winter ever. I mean, that was probably one of the coldest Thanksgivings that we've ever had. And we had like, we were normally in bare feet, but they put little like heat warmers on our like slippers uh, and they like dyed them gold. And I remember we got a hotel room that night in the city, which was like very special because otherwise I was checking back and forth to the city every day to do the show. Um, my dad bought a minivan actually at that time so that I could have a seat to lay in on the way That's home sweet. so I could go to school in the morning. Oh my God, that's the sweetest. I know, he is amazing. And um, we did, so yeah, the, the parade though, you obviously have to get up super, super early, go to the theater, get ready, then be shuttled over. So I ended up uh, getting a hotel room. I don't remember where, but it was like so exciting to like get a hotel room, get up early, go see your friends and like do the parade. But it was so windy and those poor, poor wives had like that sleeveless top yeah. with just a sash. And we were, I mean, luckily I had long sleeves and long skirt and then they There's like one little out. tiny kid who's sitting on Donna Murphy's lap who's like, I'm literally just shivering. Shivered. That's yeah. probably little Jackie or Jeff, but just like shivering, which now they're like 21. And I'm like, oh, right. oh right, right, right. <laughs> and also, but you have like a big moment. You're like the first solo. It's I was like, oh, that girl's going to be a star. <laughs> um, what she do you remember about doing King and I on Broadway other than the community? What do you remember about getting used to that schedule and, and yeah. that excitement? It was different than anything I had ever obviously experienced. And I remember learning like a lot of, I mean, we were in a lot of that show. The kids are in like a, a huge amount of that show. I had nine costume changes. Uh, you're there the entire time. And um, obviously you have a Wrangler when you're a kid on Broadway, but there were 14 of us. So it was a lot of kind of like just hubbub and chaos all the time. Um, I remember very vividly like, the mothers um, in the show, the actresses who played our mothers. I remember uh, the rehearsal period at 800 Broadway where they used to rehearse Broadway shows a lot back back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. Um, and I just, I remember the, like getting into the theater for the very first time ever. Um, my brother was at college and he came home and surprised me at the theater. Uh, it was just like a really it's just your first of everything. And I got to do it so young, but it's such a, it was such a formative time in my life um, that I'll never, like those were some of my earliest memories actually. Did you have that amazing uh, King and I show jacket with the elephant on the back? Of box? course I did. I have the winter jacket. I have the, I had the jean jacket. I mean, I dressed up as Mrs. Anna for fourth grade in Halloween. Our costume designer made me a Mrs. Anna hoop dress from the schoolroom. And I got to school on Long Island at Parkway Elementary, which is like down the block from my house. And they're all like, so what are you for? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that makes you very popular with the other children. Definitely not. Definitely not. They were like, can I hide under your dress? And I was like, that's the idea. That's, you the, guys. Bit. that's, it. that's the bit. So get under here. Um, but I, <laughs> yeah, I was not, but I was like the cool kid who got to like go do Broadway. And my teachers were like so wonderful and so great and so understanding. Um, they all came to see the show and it was just like, it felt like my after school. Yeah. It felt like my after school, but I remember like you just learn how to react really quickly, you learn responsibility and discipline and schedule really quickly. And like, yeah, I would, my parents made me go to school. Um, I went to school every day except for Wednesdays. I would go like maybe in the morning, but um, I slept on the way home. And that show is long. It's like a two oh, hour, yeah. 50 minute show. So yeah. like, we weren't home until almost midnight every night. Yeah. Um, and my dad would 
drop me off. And one of the other moms with the younger kids would like take me in between shows and then he would come back at night. And that was at the time when New World Stages was actually a $3 movie theater. So he I know, I used to like, like all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he would go do that all the time. And um, I went, I went on Sarah, Sally, Jesse, Raphael, for those of you who don't know, it was a talk show um, back in the day about kids and commercials. And I think like Abigail Breslin was like in her like stroller at that time because Spencer and all, and we, there's a bunch of us on it, but Sally asked me, Hey Jenna, so what do your parents do when you're like in this show for three hours? And I was like, well, my mom says she walks the streets and I didn't, and it, I mean, they cut to her, her face is in her hands. Um, Cause I remember her saying that she's like, they must think I walk the streets or something. Not kids know everything. They pick up everything and they repeat everything. So uh, I got to mortify my mother as well. Was it very cool for you to see your parents like proud of you to have this experience of like, look at our daughter on Broadway. I mean, I always think that's such a special thing for parents. Yeah, they loved it. I mean, they the parents also had a great community of like, you know, 14 of us. Um, they were so proud. I mean, they would bring everybody to the show and like Lou Diamond Phillips and Donna were so gracious in meeting all of our families, all of our people. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely like a moment where I don't think that was, again, like it wasn't really the trajectory for all of us. It was just kind of happened and fell into our laps along the way um, early on. And so it was just really exciting, I think, to have found something that we all like could be proud of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so when that experience was over, you were kind of ready for high school, right? Was that around the same time? Middle school. Okay. So I was in fourth grade during The King and I. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm thinking about when in 1996, how old I was. <laughs> um, okay. So then you go back to being a normal high school kid, a middle school kid doing like yeah. your school plays and things like that. Yes. Yes. And yes. then uh, you go to Holy Trinity, which is this like amazing Catholic high school. That, arts. Yes. Weird and anomaly. Yeah. Jim Hoare is your yes like yeah he's the best guy oh he's my he's my mentor he has will always be my mentor speaks um, of you so highly like he'll he works you in and he's like she's the like always you gotta get you like he's just the greatest guy we work together on a lot of licensing yeah uh, like yeah, definitely. a lot of shows and i've known him since i was in high school even though i did not go there um so oh, yeah i love him jh is the best yeah i mean i've known him since i was in second grade because my brother went to holy trinity uh and graduated in like 96 and he also i i met him mr Hoare, through my brother um and then i did trinity summer camp which is that that high school summer camp and that was all ages so we every summer i would do like two week summer camp um so i was like well groomed by that point to get into holy trinity you know like the kids the parents who like put their kid in the camp so they get into the school um but yeah, Holy Trinity was a performing arts high school with an incredible theater director, Jim Hoare, who really didn't give a bleep about me being a professional actor at all. Like, it was like, if you want to be in these shows uh, at school, you commit to the time, you commit to the commitment, and, like, I don't really care. Which was great, because it taught me a lot about um, commitment to the craft and not just commercial auditions at the time, right? It was a little bit different. Um, and we did so many shows. I mean, I think we do like including dance show, Christmas concert. Like, I think there's like seven or eight shows a year. You guys did the first Les Mis high school edition and you were in that as well. Yeah. And Honk and Into the Woods and Laramie Project. Like he was, you were doing things that were not ready yet for high schools. And you guys were oh, like, premiering I mean, them. Laramie Project for our Catholic high school was already unheard of. And so that was my senior year um, and Into the Woods too. But yeah, Les Mis, I was actually cast as a freshman in the, in the show. And uh, it was supposed to be the Baker's Wife that year. Um, and then when they found out that we were going to do like, the first production of Les Mis, they switched it over and all the cast kind of just got replaced within that, um, you know, within the show. And it was very exciting. I mean, Cameron McIntosh came and we really got to format the show for high schools to do um, all around the globe. So that was really exciting and fun. And um, it's the first, I'm probably giving this away. This is the first musical I ever saw. And um, I'm, it's still to, to this day, one of my favorite musicals ever. And I'm like, Who were you in the high school production? Were you Eponine? 
No, I was a freshman, so I was in the ensemble, and I was uh, I was the Cosette cover, young Cosette cover. Oh God, that's getting worse and worse. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like, but I remember one one rehearsal, he was Mr. Horn's getting so mad at everybody, and he called me out to like be like, everybody should watch. There's a freshman here who does this better than you, and I was like. Please don't say my name. Please don't say my name. Because that doesn't make you look cool. Like, no. Among the senior kids who are like, have been there for four years. Um, but yeah, I mean, we did every musical. They did Shakespeare. They did, uh, it was just an incredible, incredible experience. Um, and we took dance instead of gym. We took theater classes. Happy. Uh, oh. What's her last name? Murphy. Kathy Murphy. Oh my God. I did Finian's Rainbow with Kathy Murphy at Hofstra. And oh my God. We like hated each other, but it was fine. <laughs> I, you know what? Ms. Murphy and I did not like each other until later in the years yeah. as well. I think she like really. She's a tough crack. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough crack there. But um, great. <laughs> so you decided to go to Marymount. Were you auditioning at every school or did you want to stay kind of local? Um, I definitely wanted to stay local. There was a point in which I was going to go the conservatory route. Um, I was looking at Boston Conservatory. I looked at Carnegie and I looked at um, CCM. And it was just something about staying local because I had an agent, because I was already in the business that like being able to to do both. Ideally, I didn't end up doing that, but I, like to be able to do both ideally was like, you know, I think what I had ultimately decided on. So it was either NYU or Marymount. Um, and I ended up also applying to Hartford because that was like close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, just to have that also that option of like a proper campus life. Um, but ultimately I ended up at Marymount, was very happy with that in hindsight. If you asked me while I was in school, I don't know that I would tell you I had the same experience. I'm glad that I did it. I actually um, was two years behind Annalie Ashford, um, who was in the same program at the same time. And we had the same TA and she I, she had done the three-year trajectory. And I would always see her at open calls, 6 a.m., suitcase, wheelie suitcase in tow. And I'd be like, that girl, she's going places. Um, and, and she did. I mean, man, did she? She's she was always amazing, but I, I have no doubt that her hustle was was going to get her there too. Um, and that was really, yeah, I was like, give me her, give me all the classes she took. Tell me exactly how she did that. I need to get out of here. Um, and yeah, they didn't have a musical theater program. Now they do, but they one. didn't then. Yeah, exactly. And so I, um, I was a. BA in theater performance with a minor in musical theater, which was great. I, I loved all of it. Now, so. I saw you as Little Red Riding Hood and Into the Woods there and because Danielle Fazio is like my best friend since like 11th grade. Oh my God. And so it was just like this very random thing that last night I was putting all the pieces. I was like, wait, I saw that. And I was like, yeah. Danielle. Um, anyway, yes. so you were great. Yeah, tell Danielle I said hi. I know. I had done it the year before with Mr. Horror at Holy Trinity as Little Red. So going in, I was like, I got this. I got this number. I got this. And Michael Montel is directing it. And uh, I mean, it's also one of my favorite musicals. So I just felt very lucky to be able to revisit, revisit that show. Now, um, when did you book Spring Awakening? Had you graduated? College. I had graduated and I was six months out um, of Marymount at that point. And I had gone in for spring awakening about three months into that, you know, out of school. And it was for the tour. And um, I got to the very final callbacks for the tour. And I was being paired with all the different girls and we went through the whole process and I didn't book it. And they said, oh, we'd love to actually keep her in mind for a future Broadway replacement, which I was like, you hear that word and you're like, sure, thanks so much. Nice to meet you. Um, But lo and behold, Lily Cooper was in at LaGuardia still. And in order for her to graduate, she had to complete a show. Um, in the school, so they make you do this stupid SDF where they won't let you graduate. It is yeah. so dumb. Go ahead. You're like, so I'll leave my Broadway show to go it's, do a high school show so I can graduate. Why do this? Go ahead. 
Um, but it ended up working out because it was supposed to be only a couple of weeks of her gone. And I was like, kind of like a vacation swing coming in and, and covering. And then they ended up just realizing that they needed the extra swing anyway. And so uh, they kept me on for the rest of the run, which was amazing. Um, I was bartending at the time, uh, and the in-between and throughout college. And so, uh, it was just really great at six months out, like being able to, to leave that and go, uh, join the show that you never thought you'd be in. I mean, I watched that show from the rafters many, many times thinking like, there's no way they'd ever cast me in that. And, um, but it was like the old, it was the only thing playing on my iPod at the time. So it was very exciting. With your little wheel iPod. Literally. Like the white like wheel iPod. Yeah. What do you remember from that experience of actually being on stage and doing that show? Well, I mean, again, it's like it's one of those shows that everybody dreams of doing, right? And and the music is so wonderful. But uh the most the the most important thing I think was that I learned how to be a swing in that show. I had never swung before. Um, and they just I don't know why they put all the faith in me to believe that I could cover four girl roles, um, all of which have eat their own part in Mama Who Bore Me. So um, that was really hard because it was just a different skill set that I had not really tapped into yet. But I, I ended up being like, I really liked that. Um, my brain kind of works that way. It works really fast. And I, I can, I'm able to like really separate the tracks. So um, I definitely learned a lot about myself in that. And I, uh, I learned that show in two weeks. Um, I learned Marta first, obviously, because Lily was going. Um, and then I learned Anna and Taya as well. And then they added Ilsa to the track later on. But um, I I didn't get a put in. Um, and I didn't get anything. Excuse me, Bear. Shh. Doing a podcast. Thank you. Um, Bear. Hey. Guys, Bear is the cutest dog you've ever seen. If you're not, if you can't see Bear. You can check out my Instagram. He's everywhere. But I, I didn't get a put in, so I went on for actually for Anna first. Um, had barely rehearsed her. Barely by your seat of your pants, part of the business. Truly, didn't even have a full costume yet, ready to go. They threw me in, braided my hair, like just get out there because everybody had gotten the flu. So uh, Phoebe Stroll had it was like everyone was making out with each other. Like of course they all. Got I mean. Out. The hormones were definitely raging in that show. Definitely, definitely. Um, and the greatest thing was that, like, even when you were – I was the official offstage swing, but obviously with the onstage audience, um, the dance captain, Erin Merman, was the onstage swing, and so she was swung out all the time to watch the show and take notes, and so I was always on stage. Um, and that was really fun, and I remember being feeling very lucky to have been a part of the original Broadway cast – um, right off like, you know, Tony season and then also, um, transcend over to the newer casts as well. So that was like, uh, I got to experience both and, um, it's a small tight knit cast. It's a really, um, it's a show that'll really take it out of you too, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's not like a massively like energetic show where you're dancing all over the place, but it's really emotional for, for, I think for people that age. So it was definitely, um, a harder show than I, I think you think. Now, is this where Ryan Murphy found you? Yes. So, um, Jim Carnahan was the casting director for Spring Awakening, and he was also the casting director, New York casting director for Glee. Well, so that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> certainly did. Um, we, I remember us all getting the audition at the same time for this show. Um, we were in the theater and everybody was like, you're going in tomorrow. Um, and everybody was like, are you going in? And you're like, yeah, I'm going in. And luckily, because it was the same casting director, we didn't have to sing at all for our first audition, which was like, that never happens. We got some kind of perk. Um, so I got... Um, I got to do Tina's role. I auditioned for Tina's role. Uh, I know a couple of other people auditioned for other roles, obviously, um, in the show. But uh, Tina's two audition lines were I, 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 I and 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 because so that's she had it. A is that because she had a stutter? Because okay. she actually had Tourette's to begin with in the first audition. Well, um, that much harder. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely something that you don't want to also it seemed like you're making fun of it yeah. in any way. Um, and so that was definitely 
difficult and and fun at the same time. Um, and like, it really wasn't like a show where, you know, you, or an audition where you're like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest thing. And this is going to make my career. Like this was like just another audition. And it was just fun to be in the waiting room with our entire cast, which are like, well, should we go eat before the show? Like, great. Um, and, and that was in probably September of 2008. Um, no, June of 2008. Um, and it was just tapes being sent to LA. And then I got called uh, about a month and a half later saying Ryan Murphy and some producers from the show are actually coming into LA to meet with some actors and they would love to meet with you. So I went in again in probably mid July. Um, and Ryan was there. Dante DiLoretto was there. Like uh, Ian Brennan was there, a ton of producers. And um, that time I did have to sing and I went in and I sang waiting for life to begin uh, from once on this Island. And I messed up and the pian I made it look like it was the pianist's fault, the accompanist's fault. And I was like, because oh. that's what we're told to do. Like make it like just keep going and don't make it like you messed yeah. up. Um, and, and then they had me improv a little bit. I met Ryan. I did my two stutter lines and that was it. And I was like, great. That was really fun. Um, went back to the show and then got called in about September. September, I think it was, um, they said they loved your tape. They're going to test you for studio. And then if that passes, which I didn't know what that meant at the time. So if people don't know you, you test your tape, you test for studio executives. And then if you pass that test, you go to the network and you meet other executives and then they give the go ahead. Um, and they said, if you pass studio, then you'll, you'll have to fly after your show on, on Thursday night and go and meet you know, all of network Fox network and everybody from 20th century that morning in LA. So I got the call before the show and they said, yeah, so your studio test passed. They'd like you to come and get on a red eye tonight. So I got on a red eye. Were you freaking out? Yeah. I, I freaked out so badly that I, um, I thought I got bit by a spider, but I actually just got hives on the plane. Um, and I was like, please let these go away before my audition. I mean, like, that would have just been a nightmare. I got in at like seven or eight. They put us in a hotel room to like shower and get ready. I walked over to Fox. Um, I tested for about, I don't know, a couple of hours. And then I found out about 10 minutes after that, that I got on the roll. Well, we're going to talk all about Glee when we come back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. All right, Jenna, we're back and we are going to chat about Glee. So you find out you got this role in a pilot. We don't know what this is yet, right? We don't know what this is yet. We know that you have a job for about six weeks. And that's all you know. Well, that's a good job. I'll t- we'll take it. Oh, gosh, it was the, I mean, it's some... Uh, it was the best paying job I had ever gotten. That's for sure. And it was, it was the, uh, there was always a hope one day that I would get to LA. I would get to Hollywood and work on TV, but like, there's no, I had no idea what 
getting picked up or greenlit meant. I didn't know what any of that like really was with the steps. All I knew was we got to sing and dance on TV for six weeks. It was so much fun. Um, we did a lot of rehearsal, a lot more rehearsal than we would end up having for the rest of the series. Um, uh, at the time, I mean, I had known Leah since we were probably eight and uh, both doing Broadway, obviously having done Spring Awakening together. So I, I had like an ally there yeah. already and Matt Morrison as well. Um but I, you know, it wasn't like, I, then I was like, oh, I guess I'll go back to Spring Awakening after. That'll be great. That works out. And the only reason I got out of a Broadway contract, which never happened, is because of Jim Carnahan and because it was the same casting director. So I, I was, it was like kismet. I, yeah. I lucked out. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, we got to do a slew of Broadway shows, uh, Broadway songs. Um, I introduced, I felt like I got to introduce all my L.A cast members to our world on Broadway and they kind of introduced us to the recording and, and pop world. Um, and yeah, I mean that, that I, have a, I have a question that I've always thought when I watch the show, I'm like, how is this happening? Because there was so many musical numbers in an episode and there would be a recording and then obviously choreography. Talk to me about how an episode was shot because it seems to me like an impossibility. <laughs> It was an impossibility. Somehow we did it in our sleep. Um, so I, I'll give you like a, a broad example of a super, super glee day and then an, an overview. So each episode took somewhere between eight and 10 days, you know, ideally eight, sometimes 10, sometimes more. Um, if you had five to six musical numbers, right? Um, if you're working on, say, episode five, um, you'd be prepping for episode six. So while you're shooting episode five and, and you know, filming choir room scenes, doing musical numbers, you would then after that day go to the dance studio and start to learn the numbers for the next episode. Oh, my God. Um, my brain hurts. It's no, I mean, it's it gets crazier. So then um, on your lunch breaks, you would normally get – put in a shuttle van and gone to the recording studio down the way to record your songs for that episode. Um, because we pre-recorded songs so that we could, we could lip sync to those, um, you know, finished numbers on the day when we were shooting a, a, a musical number. Musical numbers normally took about seven to eight hours to shoot completely um a group number and and then in the mornings you would you would probably go and get your fittings for the next episode as well and if you're doing something like lady gaga you know you're literally going three or four times because they're creating a bubble suit for you so it was it was really um and and that's like if you that was liberal that is if we had enough time like there were times where literally we would learn it an hour before we get on set um and, and there would be no time. And then we'd have the lyric master come over and be like, this are your backgrounds and here's your color coded sheets. And, you know, they'd have to make sure that the time kind of uh, matched up with everything. So it was a really wild, wild, sorry. It was a really, really wild experience. Um, so when this show premieres, you know, you never know how something's really going to hit. I mean, if the reviews, like there was a buzz coming, like there's this like Broadway like TV definitely. show, but then it happened and it was everywhere. I want to hear a little bit about what it was like to be inside of that experience. <laughs> it, it, being inside was really different because um, when the pilot had aired, it was the day, it was after American Idol on like, I think it was May 9th of 2009. And then they decided to wait to air the entire series until the fall of 2009. So in between that time, we went on two full tours. We went on an Australian tour and we went on a Hot Topic mall tour. Um, when the pilot aired that day after American Idol, we were all together. Uh, the cast watched it together. And we we saw that don't, our version of Don't Stop Believing was number one on iTunes. And that's the first little tick mark. We were like, okay, cool. This is, this is doing really well. Um, I was able to show my family and some selected friends, obviously, before that, uh, a viewing of the pilot. 
And they all were like, my family was in tears. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. They're so proud of me. But I don't think that I realized that it was like the show, not just me. Um, and it was just a really, I mean, it's probably one of the best pilots that I've ever seen, even, you know, remove me from it. Like, it's just a brilliant, brilliant, well done pilot by Ryan Murphy. Um, and then the mall tours, we were like, I hope somebody shows up. Like the series hadn't come out yet. They had no idea what we were about to do. And so we were able to continue to shoot well before things like really started to ramp up. So there was not a lot of outside pressure in terms of like doing it for anybody else other than ourselves, right? And for our, the creatives, um, which was really nice because we, we call it the glee bubble. Um, and we went, so sorry, we go back to the mall tours and we would do them in Hot Topic and they would set up these like tables for us to do signatures and they have, you know, Glee merch. And I mean, we would walk into the malls and there would be at least 300 to 500 kids singing Don't Stop Believing. And this was when only the pilot had aired. So we were like, I don't, we don't, I don't understand. And nobody could prep you for that. They could tell you all they wanted, but nobody could prep us for that. So that was the real, the first taste of it um, and and like a very tangible taste because we just got to meet all these amazing kids who just felt so seen so quickly by one hour of TV. Um, and then along the way, obviously, as, as the show started to air, I mean, it was just like this juggernaut that like this huge snowball effect that like every time another character got introduced, every time another love story got introduced, another song, another huge guest star. I mean, Kristen Chenoweth was our first guest star. And that was for me and Chris Colfer, huge, yeah. I mean, huge. Um, and so that's when I was like, oh, wow, like we're going to get cool guest stars. And like you see a really popular show and all these amazing people come in and out. Um, and again, it was like we didn't fully – I didn't fully get it until until like year – the end of year one, really feeling like that that massive – like just the bigger picture of the way it was affecting people. But, you know, those were the first tastes of it. And I'm sure like all of a sudden you're getting recognized everywhere you go and you're a Broadway – person who's only famous in two blocks and yeah then, at a stage door you know that's it's it so wild to have that <laughs> yeah. to like basically turn on yeah i mean uh, from the fans themselves to the to the paparazzi to to you know ebayers in the airport asking you to sign like 15 glossy photos of yourself you're like where did you get these yeah, where are these from and you're like excuse me it was really strange. Uh, it was a definitely a different experience for all of us. Um, but again, we were so busy with filming the show that like we didn't get out very much. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of people to have seen us unless we were on a tour, unless we were at a mall, unless we were together in between like going to dinner. That's when we would get it and we would all be together. So it felt easier to kind of soften the blow in a way. Um, but we really were in that glee bubble for the, about the first two and a half years. Um, I felt like, protected. and you can disagree with this cause it's you, but I, I felt like you were able to handle it in a really good way. As far as this level of celebrity, we weren't reading in tabloids, like Jenna Esquist is a nightmare on the set. Like, you know, you <laughs> well, just need to it, avoid a lot of that stuff. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm not a troublemaker. Uh, I'm pretty much a rule follower. I really, I, I, I'm a people pleaser. So, so we, you know, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think that um, I, we all kept each other pretty grounded. And, and the good thing was, was like, we were getting grouped together no matter what. Like, you know, I think one of the tabloid covers was like, Glee Kids Gone Wild. And we were like, well, if you mean we had a house party and drank some wine and like maybe like had a dance party, sure. Like, call it wild. That That's really not my experience from anybody in the show. Um, obviously like, and, and it was easier to get along with everybody than it was to fight because we spent so much time together. I mean, this was a 365 thing. Like we, I spent, I saw these people more than my family. And then you toured with them when you were off, like you did oh, these yeah. crazy arena tours, which is I like mean, never happens with anything. So, I mean, weekends were for photo shoots. <laughs> so we saw each other on the weekends. After shooting, we would go back to each other's houses. Like, that's how much we loved each other. 
Um, Kevin McHale and I lived together at the time. So our house was very popular for people to come through because, you know, there were two of us there at, at any time. Um, and then the tours were pretty crazy. The first tour was after season uh, two, season one, uh, full season one. So we had 13 back nine. So end of season one, we did a four city tour. We did LA, uh, Arizona, um, Chicago and New York. And we got to do Radio City, which was like massive for me, obviously, um, having been from New York. And um, that was like theater, you know, large theater tours. I don't know what you call it. Um, The second tour was 16 cities in six weeks on our hiatus. Um, We did three stops internationally. um, And it was cuckoo banana pants. I mean, we were living our rock star dreams. And in retrospect, I wish I had enjoyed it more. Um, I definitely did. And we all like, but we all had our own moments of like breaking down because I mean, that was part of our four weeks off, right? So you're just exhausted from doing three seasons of 22 episodes and that's 10 months out of the year. Um, But at the same time, like I, if I could do that tour all, all over again, I would. Um, it's like every little kid's dream of like selling out a stadium and having people scream for you. Like, and I then mean, have yeah. it happen. And it was the closest thing to theater at the time for me too. So other than like, you know, doing the show. So like that was really fun because the live um, interactive kind of instant gratification um, was, was like, it was that high that I hadn't felt in a long time. So that was really it was just absolutely amazing. <laughs> you recorded a ton of songs, uh, you specifically, on all of those albums. And, you know, there's like how there's like 20 albums. 700 songs. Oh, my God. So 700 songs and you recorded a ton of them or most of them. Now, what is your favorite thing when you look back and like this was the best thing that I got to do? Uh so hard. Um, yeah, I think I have different feelings about group numbers, right? The huge group numbers. But for me personally, I think my favorite was, I think my favorite, one of my favorites was Celine Dion. One yeah. I heard was doing Because You Love Me. And the other was Florence and the Machine. Um, doing Dog Days, Shake It Out, Shake It Off, Shake It Out, Shake It Out. Um uh yeah any of like the the artists that i really admired lady gaga those were really fun for me now what Um, was not fun to do (laughs) do you you have an hour um you can name one you can name one or two very unfun songs to sing kongnam style was really hard and a little cringeworthy um it was just the longest it took to learn a, a different language (laughs) it's just really hard um and say no more i got it it was a lot um and the other one you know what it was it was really fun and and also really hard to actually shoot was um the singing in the rain medley that we did the mashup with gwyneth paltrow because i say that because they built that um like like a foot high kind of the stage for water and we had to kick it around. And then by the end of the number where they were like, we're shooting it in like high def and like really slow. So if you kick the water up, it's going to look really cool. So they just kept encouraging us to like kick up the water. And like, it was like on our faces by the time we finished one, one take, my rain boots were completely filled with water. So like the ones like that were super affecty in that way. Like, um, we found love, the one in the pool. That pool was cold. It was <laughs> a cold pool. So those were the more difficult ones were like the ones where we had to do like these like trickery adventure like numbers. Um, Did yeah. you start to have a lot of input on where your character was going in the later seasons? Um, you know, they actually, we take this as the the, you know, the, the sweetest form of flattery, I guess, but like they started to write for what was happening in real life in some ways, not, not completely, but, um, you know, like Darren and I, I, I told them that I had worked in theater and I had some boyfriends that were, you know, ended up coming out. And so they went with the Blaine and Tina story for the Sadie Hawkins dance. <laughs> um, it's just so silly. And, um, 
you know, they definitely, it was a little bit true to life. Uh, but I think once the, the New York crew moved over to their part, like Tina definitely got a different, um, different time to shine because she was like the older upperclassman who had like been through the ropes. Uh-huh. Um, which again, also kind of like mirrored life, like me, Kevin, Cord, we were all like had been there for so long that these new kids were like, let us show you the way, um, which was really fun. And Tina, I, I really liked that Tina got to become like come out of her shell, become a little bit of a diva, even though I don't know that that storyline really like stuck with people. I really enjoyed playing that that character. Was there anything that they asked you to do that you were like, I no, absolutely not. This is not a good move for Tina or the show or you know what I don't think so I don't think there was anything that I we also didn't have that much say um <laughs> but there wasn't anything I'm sure you I could have tried to have out. say whether or not they were listening to you oh we definitely tried I mean that's how I know we definitely <laughs> tried but no I mean they they did a good job it was just so much so many people to write for like yeah. it's just you lose sight of like the you know the the focus right um, but I think that the only thing that I really pushed back on was my wardrobe after a while. So because she was in lace, because she was in like chains, she was in like these huge numbers. I was like sitting there one day and see, I think it must've been season three, season two or three. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. I just can't. Like there was a point where I was like, I, if I have to do this for another three years, I, 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 I might rip, literally take a scissor and just go naked the entire rest of the series because it's just a lot. It's a lot of prep. Um, so we definitely, that's where you see Tina's like kind of mod look come into play. Her like simpler black dresses come into play. That's definitely something that I was like, I need, somebody's got to help me out a little bit. How hard was it to leave it behind? You know, I mean, this is huge thing that is the world knows that has been part of your life, you know, for most of your adult life. Yeah. Yeah. How how do you say goodbye to that and see what else is out there for you? You know, it started to happen very slowly over the last few years. I think a lot of people um, kind of started getting their own opportunities, pursuing things that they had always wanted to do, Um, like in you know, Chris writing all of his amazing New York Times bestsellers. And um, so we definitely like, we started to transition out because the core group had already kind of separated into the two different storylines. It felt like there was this natural progression of like saying goodbye very slowly. Um, By the time the show was over, I think a lot of us were, were ready for something different and ready for a break. Um, It's, now I definitely miss it more than I missed it then. Um, but we had a really good send off. Everybody came back for the last episode. It was really fun to revisit the pilot into the episode 2009 in the finale. That definitely gave us another kind of sense of closure and saying goodbye to those characters and the way we started it. Um, and it was hard. It definitely was hard because that's, that's how, like most people's claim to fame. That's most people, you know, with the, the golden opportunity and the gold, golden ticket into the rest of the, you know, the industry. So um, I don't know that we'll ever say goodbye to it fully. It keeps coming back into my life. I mean, we have Zooms every quarantine, you know, in the every beginning quarantine, of quarantine, that we quarantine we've ever had and ever will have. Um the, the Zoom, we we had uh, in the beginning of quarantine, we'd have a Friday Zoom with the enti- like a, a bunch of the writers and a bunch of the cast. Yeah. And so, you know, we're family at this point. And that, that's something that bonds you for forever. Kind of like being in a Broadway show, you get bonded. But this was like, uh, this Broadway is particularly, yeah, special in that uh, way. Talk to me about like, was there something you wanted to do right away? Like, I want to do a Broadway show. I want to do another sitcom. I want to do a drama. Like, was there something on your radar? Um... Yeah, I think that I wanted to to dive into multicam initially um, in terms of like TV. That was the way I was going to go. And then um, I kind of got swept back to New York. Uh, family and taking a, I call it the Glee Talks from LA a little bit um, because I had moved here for the show. It was all I really knew of LA. And so I just needed to get out for a little while. Um, and that was important because hello again, then happened, uh, very quickly after. 
So that's and the Michael John Lacusa musical to stage version. Lincoln Center musical to, yeah, exactly. That that got um, adapted for, for screen. And it's it was like kind of my my rebellion against Glee, not rebellion or goodbye. It was like my goodbye. It was like, okay, let's do this character that's completely not like Tina. That's something else that I can do that um, was in the realm of like what I knew, you know. I and was, it's a uh, movie with Audra McDonald, Shan Jackson, Martha yeah, McDonald. Martha Martin, no it seems deal. like a good choice. Yeah, that felt like a good fit. Yeah. Um, but ultimately I only shot two weekends. Like that film was shot in weekends, uh, each vignette. And that was like, it was just a challenging project for me. It was really exciting to do something new. Um, and then I had done Yellow Fever, which was just a, a straight dramedy uh, indie film, which was also really fun and kind of fun to explore a different character. Not completely on Latina, but you know, different. And then, and then Waitress kind of came along and that was like, I had known how, I always know that I want to do music, you know, do stage uh, and do Broadway, but like to, to think about doing something like Sarah Bareilles' music uh, with a f- all female creative team. Had you seen like, the show already when they asked you to join? I had. So Kamiko actually got me a ticket to come <laughs> see her and um, I, I just loved it. Um, I had originally, I had originally sent in a tape from LA uh, way back for, I think it was the, for the, um, uh, where do they do it? Oh my gosh. My at Harvard at, um, uh, where, ART. Thank you. I'm so hard to remember. My brain is also not really operating today. (laughs) I feel you. Um, yeah, at ART. And so it was just something that like, it was just a dream come true. I, I loved the music. I had discovered Jesse Mueller through that um, and the goddess that she is in in performing. And I mean, that whole cast is amazing. But uh, yeah, that kind of fell into my lap and at a really perfect time. Um, I saw you was- do it and it looked like you were having the time of your life. So whether <laughs> you were or you weren't, you sure made me feel that way. I was like, I was. this girl is living her best life. I was. I really yeah. was. It was just something so different from what I had been doing. And that was like all I needed. You know yeah. what I mean? It was the best medicine to sing Sarah's music. And also so- let everyone know that like you're a real Broadway performer. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we'll get confused if you do a TV show. That no, people true. Think that's what you know how to do and that you can't, you don't do eight shows a week. And you, you know, like that whole exactly. different, you know, muscle. It's a different, le- yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was, it was nice to return to my roots. Um, and, and it's funny cause I had done, it was like every, I think it was like every 10 years I had done a show then. <laughs> Just every 10 years, I pop in. You know, the the case. But uh, yeah, that was really nice. So it was just, I needed a break. And then I I moved back to LA um, recently in 2018 to, to you know, kind of revisit things in a different way. Kind of visit acting again, but also to produce more. So talk to me about producing. So you're a Tony Award winning producer. <laughs> people might not know. Uh, yeah. Tell me how producing started for you and how did that all unravel? Yeah, I mean, long story short, um, I my first pr- producing venture and fundraising was uh, my role as a co-producer on the revival of Once on this Island at Circle in the Square, which Alex Newell starred in. So it's like this weird full circle thing that happened. Um, but Hunter Arnold, the lead producer, ended up wanting to bring in other producers, um, you know, just diverse, uh, uh, diverse backgrounds and he couldn't really find them. And he, so he was like, I'm just going to start making the new gener- generations of producers then. So he started this program called Uplift, which allows younger producers um, under 40 LGBTQ, um, you know, different backgrounds, just anybody really who wanted to get into it. And so um, I applied and got in with my producing partner, Ashley Latimer, who had kind of introduced me to Hunter. And, um, you know, Ashley and I raised money very quickly uh, for the show and ended up, uh, you know, kind of being taken under Hunter's wing and really like um, like a producing mentor. And uh, we won the Tony that year. So, so it was it was amazing. It was like, I'll never forget that forever. Yeah. It was it's a really... Yeah, I mean, they were 
everybody involved in that was just truly spectacular. And I, I just love the show. Every time I saw it, I would just weep. Um, you also produced our producer listed on Be More Chill and The Inheritance last mm -hmm. season on Broadway, um, which did not quite have the experience that it should have had on Broadway, um, yeah. which is such a bummer. But such a bummer. But I think there's life for those things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess. what's like tell me what's coming up what's next i have a couple more questions and then we have to do obsessed and quick fire so <laughs> what's coming up for you that you're excited about and i know it's the wildest time ever to be excited about it it really is the wildest time i mean truly i'm just kind of right now like i i was in a creative slump for a while um i'm really looking to produce more uh, i just directed my first short um and that was really exciting i produced that as well so just getting into new kind of, uh, you know, facets of the of the industry has been really exciting for me and like kind of soaking up new information, really watching like what kind of content is out there, watching this like the diversity pool get bigger and bigger and bigger um, and the opportunities get more and more has been really exciting for me. So um yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm getting married in next year, so <laughs> thank you. So then it feels like all these kind of like personal wins are happening right now, which I I'm really okay with uh, at the moment, and it's been really nice. But um, that's not to say that a job won't come along and sweep me up. I'm yeah. totally open to it. I think you've done so much for young Asian performers, especially Broadway kids that I work with. And uh, do you ever feel like that is a, a big weight to bear or do you just love it? Or talk to me a little bit about that. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I remember growing up and having Lea Salonga be like my my idol. I mean, uh, Saigon was on repeat, you know, Flower Tongue Song. So to, to hear that actually is very nice. So thank you. Um, it, it feels like a, an exciting thing to be able to uh, to do and to hold on to because I have that and I I I would feel very sad if to find out that those kids don't have somebody to, yeah. to emulate and to work you know towards to create their own you know careers um, but yeah I do think it's a responsibility I think that again like you know, I'm not trying to put myself in the tabloids. I'm trying to be a good role model. I'm trying to use it for good. I'm trying, you know, it's like, I, I've always felt like an activist kind of philanthropist part of me um, really fills me up. So I just try to use it and, and use it in a way where I can set a good example for people. Well, you definitely have done that. And I'm so <laughs> thankful to hear your story today. And you're just like such a shiny light. I mean, <laughs> sure everyone's like obsessed with you. So bravo. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know that everybody too, but it's very yeah, nice. sure. <laughs> All right. Tell me what you're obsessed with right now, Jenna. Okay. So in terms of music, um, I'm actually, I'm loving Billie Eilish right now, but, um, uh, otherwise I'm, I'm this, I have this weird folk uh, obsession at the moment. Um, and Mumford and Sons is feeling that need to breathe is another one that I love. Um, I just watched Queen's Gambit on Netflix. So good. So good. Um, and I'm also watching Ted Lasso, which is very funny and unassuming. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and uh, for me, my my new hobby is tennis. So I've been playing a lot of tennis, it's which is tennis. safe and outside. Love it. My obsess this week is the crown, like everyone else. But it is so good. And it is, it is oh. bringing me a level of British joy that I cannot destroy. Truly. Um, Things to look forward to, you know? <laughs> all right. Are you ready for the Broadway workshop? Quick fire questions. These are right. a list of questions put together by me and some of my students. Here we go. Favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Um, first Broadway show you saw? Les Mis. One thing about working with Donna Murphy? Oh, just the loveliest. <laughs> what? The did you see her in Hello, Dolly? Of course they did. I've seen her in everything that she's done since. All right. I mean, she's a What would your superhero power be? Um, you know, I've been watching a lot of Harry Potter and I feel like having the invisibility cloak or being able to be invisible would be really fun. Yeah, um, yeah I'll take that. It's like being a fly on the wall. You know what I mean? You'd be able to like pop in things that you'd never, you'd never be able to witness otherwise. What do you want on your bagel? Um, uh, everything bagel, chai, a, a scallion, cream cheese, lox, and tomato. Did you have a pre-show ritual? 
oh gosh, every liquid under the sun, uh, vitamins, potato chips, and um, talking to Kayla in my dressing room for waitresses, particularly the one. Um, emergency tea, espresso, and throat coat. Okay, liquids. Um, strangest fan interaction. Uh, hot Topic Tour 2009. Um, this woman came with her newborn with a glee onesie and said, will you sign my baby? Oh, that is very strange. Where? Worst audition you can remember? Oh, God. Every, all of them? Um, uh, Margaritaville. You dodged a bullet there. Um, <laughs> one a memory from Mary the Night video. Oh my gosh. Hanging out with Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. No big deal. Uh, She's so cool. So the cool. best. The best. I want blank movie to be a musical. Oh. Um center stage. <laughs> Who should Patty Lapone play in Waitress? Oh my gosh. Jenna. Yeah, I check that out. If you can have dinner with one person, who would it be? Steven Sondheim. Can you name two Real Housewives? Um, Bethany and Jill. All right, I'll take. They're original. <laughs> I'm old. Way back me. I'm um, old. Most starstruck you've ever been. Oh gosh, um, that's a good one. Uh, let me think about this for a second. I gotta say. Probably Lay Us Long the first time I met her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, least favorite song you had to sing on tour with Glee? Uh, there was a song. What is it called? I blocked it from my memory. Sing it for the boys. Sing it for the girls. That one. I don't remember what it's called. Not a Can't fan of that it. song. Yeah. Do you get recognized a lot? Um... You know what I get a lot? I feel like we've met before. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, name a musical you're okay with never seeing again. <laughs> no, I'm going to get in trouble. I mean, uh, Greece. That's fine. And no one from Greece is going to like call you. No. Um, or are they listening to this? Um, tell us one thing about working with Ryan Murphy. I mean, change maker, right. raised, really raised the bar. And also just very funny. We call each other lady. So, <laughs> Most surreal experience as a celebrity? Going on Oprah, meeting Obama, yeah, these going are, on Lady Gaga's music video. These are good ones. Yeah. Um, if you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? Again, um... This is a random one, but if I could go back and see another one that I've seen a bunch of times, I would be moving out. All right. Oh, God, I love that show. Oh, um, so New York or L.A.? Sorry. New York City. First big thing you bought with your Glee money. It's kind of a gauche question, but it could be funny. You know, I think it was a Louis Vuitton bag. All right. Um, do you do any impressions? <laughs> No. <laughs> Have Maybe you ever, Ryan Murphy. <laughs> okay. What what is our your Ryan Murphy impression? Um, lady, you know, I have this show for you and I think it would be great. Uh, this is a really great role. <laughs> um, that's like a great that's a great phone call to get. Um, have you ever left a show at intermission? I'm not gonna ask you what it is. Yeah. Okay, that's a yes. Um, do you have anything from Glee in your house? Yes. Um, I have a lot of things. Uh, a lot of memorabilia. There's a, a tile from the actual wall of the choir room that they broke off for us. And I have the choir room clock in my office. What movie can you watch over and over again? Um, random, Never Been Kissed, Titanic, and um, 10 Things I Hate About You. I love Titanic. Okay. <laughs> so um, since it's December... Um, tell me what your favorite holiday tradition is. And that's our last question. You know, I think it, it, 
I'm not going to see my family this year, which is kind of sad, um, which a lot of people are not going to see their families this year. So I would say we, we usually go to my favorite Italian restaurant on Long Island for Christmas Eve, Vincent's. And I have a table there. All right. They actually put my little name on a table, which is like really the cream, better than Oprah. That's better than Oprah. Um, and so usually we go with the family and we eat uh, a big Italian meal on, thing, on Christmas Eve. So that's my favorite. Jenna, tell the people where they can follow you and find out what's up with uh, Jenna Oshkowitz. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram, Jenna Oshkowitz, at Jenna Oshkowitz, Twitter, at Jenna Oshkowitz. And you know what I mean? That's really Those that's are the, the places. News. That's the news. Jenna, you are, that's in the news. Jenna, you are a delight. (laughs) I am so grateful you took the time to chat with me today. Um, I can't wait to see what's next for you. You're really like a dream. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's so much fun to talk about all this. Awesome. Um, if you're having fun listening to the Little Me Podcast, remember to follow us on Instagram at Little Me Podcast, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me Podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at ThatTuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.